He lives, he lives, all glory to his name. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. For our Easter joy and assurance, we turn our hearts and our ears to the word written in John chapter 20, the first eight verses. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. She saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she left and ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, she told them, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Bending over, he saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was following him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there. The cloth that had been on Jesus' head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. Then the other disciple, who arrived at the tomb first, also entered He saw and believed. The word of our God. In the name of him who lives to impart to each of us everlasting blessings, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. An older gentleman zipped his coat up a bit further. The wind was chilly. He was doing what he always did on his wife's birthday. He was placing flowers at her grave. And on their wedding anniversary, too. And on holidays. And a few other times each month, for that matter. He just missed her so much. He knew that she wasn't really there, of course. He knew that her soul was resting in heaven with her dear Savior, the one she loved. But he found a certain amount of peace and solace in making those trips to her grave. This day, on her birthday, he placed a bouquet of her favorite flowers resting against her headstone. Happy birthday, he said. I miss you. He would have given anything to have her back for a day or two. But then he smiled as he thought to himself, I'll see you again. We'll be together forever in heaven. For now, though, you just have to be content with going to visit her tomb. On this Easter morning, our text from the Gospel of John tells us about some believers who traveled to the Savior's tomb that first Easter day. For that matter, it also reminds us of how they left that tomb once they saw that Jesus wasn't there. It's because of what they didn't find there that they were filled with Easter wonder and excitement. Friends, let's experience that together with them here this morning for our Easter joy and celebration. Let's travel in faith on this Easter day to and from the Savior's empty tomb we notice, first of all, how it is people come to the tomb. John is telling us of how three believers made their way to Jesus' tomb that first Easter day. It was Mary Magdalene and two of Jesus' disciples. 
Let's think first about Mary Magdalene. There have been a lot of things speculated about her, most of which are nonsense. What the Bible does tell us about Mary Magdalene is that she is a woman from whom Jesus had driven out seven demons. And as a result, she was a devoted follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We noticed this morning how Mary's devotion to her Lord didn't end on Good Friday. See, there hadn't been time to give Jesus a proper burial on Friday. Saturday, the Sabbath, was a mandated day of rest. And so as the first beams of morning light arrived, Mary and some other women headed to the tomb. They went in devotion to Jesus to give him a proper burial, to anoint his body with spices. It wasn't a happy trip. Mary, at this point, is still knee-deep in sorrow, suffocated with, with guilt and with, with grief. Her friend, her healer, her savior was dead. She wondered if maybe all of her hopes we're dead now, too. As if all of that weren't enough, the Bible tells us that as Mary and the other women made their way to the tomb that morning, they were filled with the stress of wondering how they might roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb. And just when Mary may have thought that things couldn't get any worse, they did. When she arrived at the tomb, she saw the stone rolled away and immediately assumed that someone had stolen Jesus' body. This was adding insult to injury. Mary left at once, ran all the way back to tell the others. Your heart breaks for her when you hear her telling Peter and John, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. Grief-stricken. Is there any Mary Magdalene in you as you come to the tomb this morning? Any grief? Any sorrow in your heart? Maybe you're grieving the loss of a dear loved one and Easter just won't seem quite the same this year without them. Maybe you felt the waves of, of panic and anxiety that have come storming their way into your life like, like Mary, a time or 20. Maybe you felt this feeling of having your hopes dashed and your dreams destroyed, the joy just sucked right out of your life. We live in a sinful, broken, fallen world. We understand the kinds of emotions that Mary had as she made her way to the tomb that Easter day. We've experienced them too. And after hearing Mary's breaking news, Peter and John also hurried to the tomb. How about Simon Peter? Sometimes I wonder if maybe Peter were taking Jesus' death harder than anyone else. Remember that Peter was often a spokesman for the disciples that Thursday night before Jesus died in the upper room. Peter looked squarely at Jesus and told him, look, even if I have to die with you, I will never desert you. But later that night in the Garden of Gethsemane, he did. As they came to arrest Jesus, he and all the others fled. And then, of course, a short time later, Peter is outside warming himself by a fire in the courtyard, and as Jesus had predicted, Peter denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three separate times, swore up and down. He didn't even know this man from Nazareth in Galilee. Remember how Jesus gave Peter that knowing look? And the Bible says Peter went out and wept bitterly. 
Next thing Peter knew, Jesus is on a cross. Peter had to be kicking himself. The guilt of it all. You bringing any guilt with you to the tomb this morning? Maybe you haven't really been living your faith out loud as of late and you're kind of just moved Jesus to the back burner. You're feeling guilty that he hasn't been more of a priority in your life. Maybe like Simon Peter, we have talked a good game about loyalty to our Lord, but our actions tell an entirely different story. Maybe we lay awake at night kicking ourselves for being such lousy parents, such lousy friends, such lousy spouses, being lousy at our job, being lousy Christians, a lousy pastor. Maybe the trip to the tomb today includes that tendency to look in the rearview mirror of our life. That rearview mirror that's all too happy to show us all of our failures. A mirror that shouts at us, you're nothing, you're worthless. How about John? John certainly was grieving too. He had been there at the foot of the cross on Friday Jesus had asked him to care for his mother. John was caring for Mary. Together, they stood and watched Jesus draw his last breath. John may have had some guilt that morning, too. He was among those disciples who fled and deserted Jesus that night in the Garden of Gethsemane. John was actually one of those that Jesus had taken with him as he went a little further and got down on his knees and prayed to his heavenly father, but first warned his disciples, Peter, James, and John. He said, watch and pray so that you don't enter into temptation. What happened? Three times Jesus came back and found them fast asleep. But maybe John's trip to the tomb reminds us of skepticism. You know, the other gospel accounts tell us that the disciples didn't believe the women's report that Jesus had risen, and they didn't believe the two believers who, were met up with, who met up with Jesus on their road to Emmaus. In fact, Mark chapter 16 says that on Easter evening, when Jesus finally appeared to his disciples as a group, it says this, he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Rebuked them. After all, Jesus had told them on several occasions this was exactly the way it was going to be played out. He'd be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He'd be put to death, but he would rise again on the third day. We come to the tomb knowing that we haven't been stellar examples of trust either. Right? I, I know that God's word tells me not to worry but things have gone so haywire in my life as of late. It doesn't look like God's going to be there for me to help me. I guess I'll have to shoulder this on my own. I don't know. Can I really buy into this particular teaching from the Bible? I mean, it just seems so old-fashioned and so out of step with today's culture. Is this Bible really the inspired word of God from cover to cover? Or are some of these just opinions of mere men. I know that the Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone and never by our works, but I just feel as though there's something that I have to do to make myself worthy 
of going to heaven. See what I mean? Mary, Peter, John, they're not the only followers of Jesus who come to the tomb with some spiritual baggage. But you know what? That just reinforces the truth that the empty tomb and a trip to it is exactly what every sinner needs because think about the wonderful changes that happen when we go away from the empty tomb knowing that Christ is risen. Take John, for instance. John went and looked inside the empty tomb and saw the burial cloths. His, his skepticism started to go away, right? He, he noticed that the one cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head was neatly folded up. If this had been the work of grave, grave robbers, would they really have taken the time to neatly fold up that burial cloth? John is referring to himself at the end of our text when he says, he saw and believed. The empty tomb was chasing away John's skepticism and was paving the way for some guaranteed certainty. Believer, I pray it will be the same for us this morning. The empty tomb and the subsequent appearances of Jesus risen from the dead, alive and well, should fill us with faith certainty. He most certainly appeared to those disciples on several occasions, alive and well. As we heard in our reading from 1 Corinthians 15, on one occasion, Jesus appeared to more than 500 believers all at the same time. Paul says they're still alive. Most of them, go and ask them if you don't believe me. All of these appearances, all of this evidence proves for us beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is who he claimed to be. Romans chapter 1 verse 4 says that Jesus was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. The all-knowing Son of God knew what would happen. He promised and he delivered. He died for our sins but rose just as he promised on the third day in triumphant faith, we look at him and say, Jesus, you're alive, and so is our hope. Friend, we have a faith that is, that is based not on our feelings, but on the Bible's facts. Jesus lives. The evidence is overwhelming and undeniable. In Simon Peter, the Lord would powerfully use that Easter miracle to deal with Peter's overwhelming guilt. Do you remember the specific message that the Easter angel inside the otherwise empty tomb had for the women who had come to the tomb? Mark chapter 16, verse 7 says that after the angel told them that Jesus had risen, the angel said, go and tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. Later on in John chapter 21, of course, we find that sometime after Easter, Jesus specifically came to Simon Peter and reinstated him and charged him, go and feed my lambs, go and feed my sheep, share the life-giving nourishment of the gospel. Believers, our sins are gone. Like Peter, we now live free of guilt Jesus has gone out of his way to make sure, not just Peter, but we all know that our sins are forgiven and every shred of our guilt is gone. Easter proclaims that. That's what you should know today. 
The Bible in Romans 4, verse 25, says that Jesus was delivered over to death because of our sins. But it goes on to say, but he was raised to life because of our justification. Jesus was raised to life because God now had declared us not guilty. If Jesus had missed any one of my sins or any one of your sins, he would still be in that tomb this morning. But when the Father saw that he had fully satisfied the demand that he pay for the sin of all the world, every sinner of every time, God raised Jesus from the dead. Shame's rearview mirror may shout at us, wanting to keep us looking back at our past sins and failures, but Easter's empty tomb shouts at you this morning. You are innocent. You are justified. You are not guilty. You are forgiven. You are saved. What a blessing to come to the tomb this morning. Knowing that even though we may have stumbled our way here, weighed down with guilt or shame or misplaced priorities or denials of Christ or failures to stand up for him or for others or failures in our own personal lives, still we can leave this place today. We can walk away from here without guilt or shame. Jesus has forgiven us fully and freely and forever. The empty tomb is filled with grace and comfort. And how about Mary? She came to the tomb filled with grief and sorrow. She came back to the tomb again after sharing the news with Peter and John. She arrives a second time. Remember this, she's now standing outside of the tomb when Jesus arrives and speaks to her, but she's kept from recognizing him until Jesus looked at her and said, Mary. In faith, she looked at him and said, Rabboni, my teacher, and grasped onto him. Now she understood the reason for Easter joy and victory. Jesus is alive, and, and we're told she hurried back to the disciples and burst into the room that they were in and gushed with this news, I have seen the Lord. Her grief and her sorrow lasted from Good Friday afternoon until Easter Sunday but her joy and her gladness will last for an eternity because Easter puts the exclamation point behind the promise of Jesus. He promised you in John 14, 19, because I live, you also will live. Friend, the Easter empty tomb proves to us, guarantees for us, that we can walk away from a life of grief and sorrow and disappointment we can walk in the newness of life knowing Christ goes with us. And we can look forward to an eternity where there are no more fears, no more trouble, no more pains, no more grief, no more sorrow. The grave couldn't hold Jesus in and it won't hold you in either. Be sure to get a real good look today. The Savior who was laid to rest in that tomb on Friday walked out of it as the death destroyer, the Lord of life, and your undisputed champion on Easter morning. And because he did, the risen Savior has forever changed the way that we walk away from that empty tomb too. We come in grief. We leave in joy. We come with guilt. We leave with pardon. We come with doubts we leave with Easter's solid assurance. 
The grave that Jesus walked out of that Easter morning guarantees that someday you'll walk away from your grave too. What blessings we find as we go to and from the Savior's empty tomb. Oh, the sweet joy this sentence gives. I know that my Redeemer lives. Christ is risen indeed. Amen.